1: To get started, visit plushcare.com/weightloss. That's plushcare.com/weightloss. plushcare.com/weightloss. Welcome to the New Books Network. Welcome back to New Books and Psychoanalysis, a podcast channel on the New Books Network. Our guest for the episode is Dr. Susan Schwartz. Dr. Schwartz is a Zurich-trained Jungian analyst and clinical psychologist. She's a member of the International Association of Analytical Psychology. She has taught in numerous Jungian programs and presented workshops and lectures in the United States and many other countries. Susan has articles in several journals and chapters and books on Jungian analytical psychology. Her analytical private practice is in Paradise Valley, Arizona in the United States. And her website is susanschwartzphd.com. She joins us today to talk about her new book, The Absent Father Effect on Daughters, Father Desire, Father Wounds, published by Rutledge in 2021. Dr. Schwartz, welcome to the podcast.
0: Thank you very much for having me.
1: We begin uh, each episode with the question, what motivated you to write the book?
0: I would say many things. Uh, One from my own practice which is that as a Jungian analyst, and when I ask women about their fathers, there, was very, there were very slim answers. Very little was put in about the interaction with the father. The other is that in Jungian psychology as well, very little is addressed about fathers and daughters. And as I discovered, in the psychological profession until about the last 30 years ago or so there has been very little discussed about fathers and daughters equally other colleagues friends also had very slim relationships with fathers disappointing abusive neglectful emotionally absent physically absent and the entire you could say pile up of all of these caused me to reflect on what was absent in our personal lives, our culture, family, historically, and maybe I could add some knowledge.
1: What did you find in terms of the absence, say, in the, in the literature or in the practice? Why, why was it absent? until, you know, maybe uh, 30 years ago. What was what? what did you find?
0: Uh, well, I wondered actually the same thing. And as I reflected upon it, Freud, at the beginning of the 1900s, starting psychoanalysis, had a very poor relationship with his father. Jung, um, also around that time, although 20 years younger than Freud, also had a poor relationship with his father. By poor I mean they were disappointed in who the father turned out to be. Equally, Jung had four daughters and devoted one essay out of all of his many, many essays on the he was called The Father the destiny, the father as the destiny in the life of the individual, something like that. And he hardly mentioned daughters. So there was really a, a plethora of absence. So what I felt was that historically, the founders of an analysis left this out because it was a blank spot in their life. And their followers left it out because it was a blank spot in their life. And so it goes transgenerationally. And I think that because it was a blind spot, it never got looked at, which is typical of what happens, you could say with shadow elements or pieces that have not been looked at not only in psychoanalysis, but also in the culture. There has been very little that has challenged the way things have been in a certain, you could say, and I don't mean this stereotypically, but in a certain the patriarchal tradition that we have all been raised on. And I felt that it needed to be looked at questioned and the absence needed to be felt.
1: I think it's so interesting um, with Freud um, and his disappointment as father, because he says in civilization and his discontents, he says, I cannot think of any need in childhood as strong as the need for a father's protection to, to write that and then have it be all at the same time absent. I think is very, very interesting.
0: It, it is it's quite profound, and actually, I think Jung had. Uh, I don't think Jung would put it as the father was the most important, or was a very significant, but I think that his feeling in his writings about his father, who he dreamt about only twice after the father died, is quite similar in a way to what Freud noted. And, and I feel, if you feel into what Freud wrote, there's a certain sadness in that, You know, a longing for something that was not uh, met. And I don't presume to know Freud uh, and he was obviously brilliant, but he was also reflecting on something that he could feel inside of himself and also, I think it was culturally apparent as well.
1: Yeah. Um, so talk, let's, let's take this idea of feeling into, because you write about it. When you were with um, your analysis and the, the thinness and the, the, the missing father, what did you experience in, in the transference, and the counter-transference? You write about having uh, feelings that are aroused.
0: Well, in the transference, I believe that oftentimes the daughters, because they had little to respond, they were a little taken aback that the question would be about the fathers because the fathers were so absent. Oftentimes they were working or preoccupied or they were not supposed to disturb them. All these kinds of Victims that they were told, equally, there was quite an alacrity of response onto the mother in an angry or disappointed or um, upset kind of way. And this put onto the mother a really, you could say, a denigration of the feminine, and the father given a pass. The daughters really were, in a way, flummoxed, They didn't have much to say. This would also be from those who had been abused, neglected, um, put down, demeaned by their fathers. The responses oftentimes are quite similar in that there is little to say. They might be numb to it. Uh, This is also true um across cultures across socioeconomic lines across educational lines uh, i found about the same kind of response my countertransference and i i mentioned this in the book as well i found that i was getting projections of the father onto me and so as an analyst i i really Wanted to go into that with the people who were putting that projection onto me so that we could make a space between us to explore who is the Father? What does He mean? And how can He be recast within themselves in a different way? I might also add that I was quite surprised at the projection of Father onto myself, but I was also pleased that the father could appear there and therefore be worked with, looked at, and tried to understand, and the daughter access whatever the projections were that she could figure out within herself what was going on. So I wanted to value that transference and countertransference that was happening in the analytic process.
1: Do you remember, you say being surprised, do you remember the first time that you had the awareness or, oh my gosh, this is a, a father projection? Do you remember what that was like and how you, be- you began to identify it?
0: Well, you know, my first reaction, because it wasn't said in a very positive way, and actually it was very long time ago, I've, I've um, had this experience throughout my career, actually. And I, of course, was taken aback to the point where I thought, and I got to reflect on this quite a bit within myself, Uh, what am I carrying? What is going on inside of me? Why? How could I use it beneficially so that I would go beyond my surprise and be able to use it in a way that would be beneficial to myself, to the analysis, and to the whole analytic process. So it again, it's, it was many layered. And actually, it hasn't really changed the, the fact of the transference, the fact of my surprise or my counter transference being taken aback in the sense of, oh my goodness, that isn't me. And then realizing, oh yes, Maybe there is something that is going on. So it's been a continual space of growth and development.
1: Yeah, you, you, you write in the book, um, and we'll, well, let's get into the, the, the concepts behind this. Faced with the woman with a dead father complex, the therapist might experience, like the daughter herself, times of deadness and an inability to think um and the dead father complex you say that that andre green's concept of the dead father leads to the negative father complex in jungian analytical psychology can you for those of us not as familiar with the jungian approach what is that journey is is andre green reaching back and talking to jung what's the connection the dialogue between the two of them
0: Actually, there isn't really a dialogue between the two of them. I connected them up. Andre Green speaks of, because I felt they were similar. Andre Green speaks about the dead father effect as the emotional dead, deadness of the father that then is picked up by the daughter consciously and unconsciously, and it affects her own internal development in the sense of she becomes deadened. Her creativity might be affected, her life force might be affected, her libido for self-care might be affected. So many aspects deaden and take away her energy because of what she picked up from the father who was not accessing his own emotional reactions to himself, he hasn't worked out his own issues, and they are transferred unconsciously onto the daughter. When Jung speaks about the negative father complex, the complex, as Jung describes it, is feeling, carries a lot of energy, uh, conscious or unconscious, and when it is negative, because complexes are not always negative. They can tend to run the personality, cause destructiveness to the self, destructiveness to the body, uh, internal lack of confidence, lack of connection to one's interior being, and all the aspects of who one is as a person. So it's as if the daughter then, either in the verbiage of Andrea Green or of Jung, is walking around half dead. She, she's not able to access the energy for the strength of who she really is. I put it in because it's a very sad position that I have found many daughters are caught in.
1: And you write, it's very sad, and you write, it's not just a place of not there, it's a place of not there to fill.
0: Yes, and what I mean by that is that the absence, so the absence of the father in all aspects, um, personally, culturally, family, physically, emotionally, all of these are there. It's like to me the image would be like of an empty cup. You can look at it and say this this cup is absent. But, well, it just really isn't because it's, it's a space that wants to be filled. To me, it reflects that absence, the lack, the negativity even, says, all right, what is the other side here? How will I fill it? How will I get out of that drag of the, excuse me, the dead father effect, the negative father complex? How will I get out of that and into my own self-expression? So it really is a challenge. To the personality to fill the absence, not just stay with it, but to fill it.
1: And how have you seen them do it?
0: The analytic process itself, because it causes self-reflection. There is challenge. There is a witnessing together. There is energy that goes between myself and whoever I am dealing with. Between us, all of this has, through dreams, synchronicities, relationships, life itself, causes the psyche to be, you could say, pushed beyond its narrow envelope that has gone dead, that has gone depressed, that has felt despair and... The point is to ignite the desire out of the wounded areas.
1: You are back, okay. So that's fine. This will all be edited out. Uh, this little exchange, okay. Um, I want to. Uh, I want to get. I want to stay with Andre Green for a little bit here. Um, I had. He came to a conference um, in the early part of my training in New York. And he had an observation on the fathers who left. And I want to share it with you and get your thoughts. Because when he said it, I took it as gospel because it was Andre Green and I was new. Um, But I I see different things in your book. Um, And he said this. He says, there's a difference between mothers and fathers. Children may have been abandoned by their mothers for many, many, many years while somebody else takes care of them. One day, God knows why, the mother comes back. The children love her again as if nothing happened. They forget because she came back. In my experience, it's very different from abandonment by the father. This is never forgiven. They are not able to resume love for the father. We have many experiences of fathers who have abandoned their children and the child was raised by the mother. And as a result of the analysis, the grown child wants to know the father and finally arranges a meeting and they see each other once Twice, thrice, no more, no more. Finished. They have given up any hope of being accepted by the Father. Um, this idea that the abandoned Father is never forgiven—is that your experience?
0: Actually, no, it isn't. I, I, I'm, you know, I'm kind of <laughs> a, a little um, taken aback at what he said. I don't think it's true. I think it depends on what has happened. I think it depends on how much. The father will show up as a person. How much he really listens to the daughter. I would say this applies to the mother as well. Uh, how much is there a recognition of what has gone on, what has been experienced? How much is there interest in the uh, in the daughter? How much does she feel related? So I think there's a personality that the the father might carry or the mother might carry. I think it depends on their personality. And how related they are ready to be to the, to the daughter. I don't feel that with fathers. I would say, I would actually, my experience, has my little experience, has been that the daughters are very willing to excuse the father to me too much. Too much. And they'll take him and, and want to be with him and love him it's not you know once twice thrice and you're out not at all not at all
1: hey it's ryan reynolds and i'm here with keith co-star of my upcoming film if only in theaters may 17th Do you want to tell people the big news Yeah. That's what I found in your book. And I, it it was so, and he said this, he says this in 2004. So um, it's, you know, late, very late in his career, but I, I was really shocked when he said it as so, you know, never forgiven. He was very firm. And then to read your book, which seems to be more accurate to what happens. Um, but the idea of the, the daughter, um, almost too much, as you said, you you write that you found that the, the daughter takes responsibility for protecting her dad. How does she do that?
0: You know, she becomes, she can become, and this is actually promoted culturally as well. She becomes his darling, or she becomes the darling of what ever she thinks she's supposed to be. And I say this partly culturally, because of our the way our culture is, that it promotes the rule of the father kind of over the rule of anybody else. And the daughter then will stay quite young, immature, undeveloped, uh, not... She, in a way, she gives him a pass more than she gives herself a pass. She's, always, she's infantilized. There's um, a disparity in the relationship between... That seems to continue. I'm not sure I answered your question, actually.
1: No, you, you did. It's, it's the idea of what she takes on and... and um,
0: yeah. Go did, ahead. Yeah, sorry. Let me just add to that. I think quite sadly what she takes on is uh, being what you would say in Jungian psychology is a um, uh, which would mean little girl. And I will expand that to say, she undermines her own qualities. She will diminish herself. She doesn't challenge whatever the father position is. And that can be the personal father. That could be a re- in a relationship. She, in other words, she sells herself short. And that's what I think seems to happen. In-
1: and is this what you call in the book the destructive psychological pact? the daughter makes with the absent father?
0: Yes. And this, this is why also the daughter could go unconscious because she made a deal. Oftentimes the deal is if he comes back, that's like all that I want. If he's there, that's what I want. I'll accept anything. It's okay. It's the wrong pact because the pact is based on it is his rule It is, and it shouldn't really be a rule. There shouldn't even be a shouldn't. It's too, um, again, she is too much on the side of agreeing to be demeaned. I think this is subtle and not so subtle in our world today as well. You you see it outwardly. Uh, Women who will accept something, they might get paid less, they think it's okay. They think it's okay. don't think it's okay but they've learned to accept less and not develop the full extent of who they are
1: how is dependency thwarted with the absent father
0: well you know and and I, I also wanted to be careful in the book that it wasn't too much in the stereotype of this nuclear family So we could say, in general, when a father figure is absent, one feels it. It's not that you, a single mother can't raise children. I'm not saying that. I'm saying much more that his absence is quite profound and that it's not just absent in that family. He is absent in his responsibility, he doesn't feel it. He's absent in not being a participant in the family structure. And she then learns almost an over-self-reliance. So self-reliance is completely helpful, and one needs it, strength, etc. But she will feel this kind of gap inside. I didn't get to rely on somebody. So the result might be that she is overly reliant or too much self-reliant. So the healthy dependency needs that one gets by being in interaction, she is deprived of. I give you an example. Someone that I was working with said, um, you know, the street that I got raised on, nobody had a father. So what did I miss? I didn't miss anything as we looked into it more, yeah, she had missed a certain feeling. She'd missed a certain acceptance. She had missed a certain, I am all right, a a feeling of support. I'm being a, a little vague, but I don't mean to be, because there's something about having the figure of somebody who is interested in you in your life that is really necessary, and the point is it's helpful if one of those people is a father figure
1: and And staying with the what happens in the the family, however defined, how is the the daughter used as the feeling function for the father and families?
0: So several of the examples that I use in the book uh, speak to this. You could. She she lives out what he cannot express, so she might be have learned to be a very, you could say, a very feeling person to um, satisfy his needs. There are so many daughters who can just look at him. Here's the example. When I came home, when he came home from work, I could look at him and just tell how he felt. So if he felt badly, I knew what to do. But the look was not to herself. The look was out to him. Watch, see. Or when he came home, I just knew there was going to be trouble. So she was hypervigilance. I have to look out, I have to see, I have to check out. She's carrying something. Either she becomes his sweetie, his darling, or she becomes, or all, and also becomes the one who carries a range of feelings that he cannot access.
1: Well, I think we asked one of your uh, composites, you call Grace, you write that Grace taught her father how to love
0: yes well you know several several women that I've dealt with this is what they say I I taught when I grew up I wanted him to say I love you so I began saying I love you and he learned how to say I love you so she did the work for both and she was then happy not realizing what cost it had taken from her um, and his, he was saying, if he says, I love you, that is great. That's great. I'm not saying it isn't. I'm just saying, why is it that the daughter has to get into the role or does get into the role where she's doing the work for both? And what does that take out of her? Because, you know, sometimes people are so used to doing something from such a young age, they don't realize that it takes their own psychic energy away. And is where I find it quite difficult, because they might not even realize that they have compromised themselves.
1: And then, well, yeah, I guess the the idea of of always doing, you, you say the idealized father generates an attitude of waiting for life to happen.
0: Yes, because in that, he is carrying the, he becomes the ideal. And when you put someone on a pedestal, Where are you? You're below them. That also saps energy. And in that dynamic, there's always a, when will it be that I'll be idealized? If that even comes to consciousness, which oftentimes it does not. So you have to keep looking up at the idealized father and not actualizing your own life, it's, it's a very serious, serious deprivation from inside to not actualize one's own life. And in reference to the woman Grace, what happened was that the whole area of intimacy and happiness in love, I don't mean that simplistically either, was impossible to happen. She could never really trust love and actually was deceitful herself in love. And so we could ask, was she really living? Or was she living kind of half dead?
1: So then in for this for this daughter in treatment, um, working on this, how does the absent father affect the access to regression? what you call the blown apart place
0: Well actually I think the identification of the blown apart place, you know um, that was actually someone called that place that a daughter did and I feel that although that was her personal description, it was very apt and how does how does she become conscious of it? besides naming it, she becomes conscious of it because she's going to enact it in the analysis. It will come out in the analytical work and she and I will be able to identify it. And if she can't, I will point it out. And if I don't, it will come through a dream. It will come through symbols. It will come through the way that she acts towards herself and others. The blown apart place is a place of heightened insecurity. So it is very in a way accessible and equally not so easy to access. So the analytic process itself or the reflective process is one that requires and benefits from time energy, effort, and the rewards that come from being much more aware of how one is, what one needs, where one can depend, and how one can come alive.
1: You mentioned dreams, and in the book you have a lot of dreams. What happens in the dreams of these daughters?
0: The dreams that I used in the book are, in a way, rather harsh dreams, and in fact, the book itself speaks about the, I say, the more shadow side of the father or the part that has been neglectful and neglected. So oftentimes the dreams will show his absence or they will show a harsh father. Uh, just one dream, I'll give you two. One is um, the father was like Hitler. Hitler. There it is, right there. What does that mean? And what do you mean the father was like Hitler? Boom. And here we can go into associations. Is that your father? Is it what what was happening in the home? Where do you get this from? How do you feel in relationship to this dream? And all of these questions that we ask together actually bring alive something other than the Hitler father. Because now we can be identified and what else is there? Or what else can grow inside of her personality for her development? So I think that the dreams are such a rich resource. They're natural. You can't fake them. Um, they're, They're full of knowledge. And you don't have to work too hard to remember them. You just tell yourself, I want to remember my dreams. And... The dreams will come. I, I think what that what I'm saying is, at least to me, dreams are honoring the psyche, the personality, the the world. Actually,
1: yeah, um, I want to move from dreams to to uh, the body because it's so important. It's throughout the book, and, and certainly we know um, bodies and attitudes towards bodies and. Uh, the recent stuff with, with Instagram and harm, um, is so prevalent. I want to read you, you quote Jung in the book, don't run away and make yourself unconscious of bodily facts for they keep you in real life and help you not to lose your real way in the world of mere possibilities where you're simply blindfolded. Um, Big, I guess. The big question here is: What is the absent father? What is the absent father's influence on the daughter's body? Um, how does a, a daughter's body's the, the sense of lack come from uh, appropriate mirroring? Uh, mirroring uh, with the father.
0: You know, if you weren't looked upon with love and care, then how do you learn to look upon yourself? And this is what I am referring to. Jung's quote is one of my favorite ones because it brings in the the physicalness that the body is affected. I think too often people assume that the analytic process is in the head, but it actually is in the body. And how one treats oneself, learns to treat oneself, the modeling of a father if he's present in a good way or the modeling of a father who is present in a lecherous, deceitful, absent to himself, to his own body, denigrating her body. This oftentimes happens around the age of 12 or 13 when he doesn't know what to do about her own development, how it is affecting his psyche. And she might learn at that time to be promiscuous. She might learn to turn away from herself, a time of cutting, a time of too many diets, too much bulimia. All kinds of reactions can happen which begin then and can continue for a very long time in life. So his correct look at her, his correct appreciation of her body, and how it is different from his and how it is to be honored is, I think, a very important point. I do think it also, I didn't go this into this in the book, but I do think it has something, to, or I wonder, does it have something to do with how we live out our own gender identification?
1: And you mentioned I was surprised to read this. You that the importance of the father uh, in utero. Oh
0: yes, of course. Oh, I said of course. Well, I feel <laughs> I said that as a that's yes. But it was you, a
1: surprise to me. It was new. It was a new thought. I love new thoughts. Tell me the importance.
0: <laughs> yes. Well, if you can, if we imagine, I mean, how do we imagine what it is in utero? Um, but the 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 father who appreciates. Talks to the baby uh, in utero, touches the baby in utero, is with the mother in utero, is you know all of these feelings, verbal, nonverbal, come across to the baby. Oh, I love you. I can't wait till you're here. All kinds of things that a father might say if he knows how to love, if he knows how to relate to her in utero and also to the mother as she is she has the baby inside of her i think he's got such an important role to play so valuable and so valuable for him see i think the other side of this is that fathers just haven't had or taken or grasped the opportunity for relating to their daughters being present to her difference from him, and him appreciating how he will be challenged by her and loved by her, and what he will gain through all of that. So, yes, I think in neutral I think it's important. I think it's important that he is around from the very beginning, the very first boom moment. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, a fascinating chapter. Um, you've you've made a. Uh, a a connection or a link uh, between the absent father and the body and autoimmune responses. What did you find?
0: I found that a lot of, well, you know, it's interesting and sad. So many autoimmune diseases are women or women are affected. I think it's 70% or some 78%. It's just an amazing number. And I did put it together I don't know if it's scientifically put together, but it's experientially, for me, put together. Again, how the woman treats herself. Autoimmune actually is this horrifying image of the self eating the self. So all the cells that should be learning to grow and develop actually turn against themselves. And the effect of a father who doesn't know how to love is it teaches... The daughter, why should I be loved? What good is there in me? And those phrases over is this over time. And not this is not in stone, but it happens with some people that over time it develops into an autoimmune disease. You know, he I don't get the love. Why should I love myself? And because it's a nonverbal message a lot. And oftentimes a verbal message or a physical message, the um, energy turns against the self to develop the autoimmune disease. I also think it is interesting. I didn't mention this that much in the book, but when there has been abuse, there oftentimes, not always again, but there are many people develop kind of strange autoimmune, Diseases, undiagnosed, unfigured, can't. What is going on? And they're they're ill, and their cells have learned to turn against them, quite like they felt from the father, turning against. Why would I be loved if he doesn't love me correctly or the way I
1: need? So this leads to you talk about the 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 narcissist um and this uh and thinking of narcissism not only is you know love directed only toward the self but aggression as well and the daughter who says who says if not exceptional who am i how do they live when they're not exceptional
0: well that goes back to what we were talking about before uh living half dead or you could almost say that might be connected with the autoimmune as well. How do you live if you have not felt exceptional? And one and gets that, when you've got the good gaze and the good energy from the father. Uh, if you don't, you're operating with some lack. Again, I don't, I want to be really clear. <laughs> I don't consider the lack and the absence or emptiness, void, All these terminologies that they are insurmountable, they are definitely able to be dealt with. It just is a process. It takes time. What I wanted to reflect with you on the narcissism is how it sets up a singularity and an isolation, a place inside that uh, because... There maybe is not enough specialness. It is, I have to retreat into myself. It really affects relationships with self and others, not allowing indifference. That's what I meant also by narcissism. I will allow sameness, but not difference. There is a threat from the difference, or there is an ignoring of it, or she learns to ignore it. If, you know, father is different from her, If she doesn't feel comfortable with him uh, and she feels his absence and lack, how is she going to feel comfortable with difference in people, in ideas, in situations? And she'll remain enclosed and isolated in a rather like, um, you know, solitary confinement kind of way. Narcissus himself, Narcissus turned away from the otherness of echo in the mythology. So he was not letting in what was different. And with the father, there is a possibility to, to experience what is different. If he is not there, where does that leave her?
1: And the Narcissus, the um, the, the myth, of course, and yet you have a, a compositor, a, a patient who, who banished all mirrors in the house except for one small handheld
0: well there's the mirror you see also and that's narcissism so again the father's look might be he might be the mirror so if she looks into that mirror and what and what does she see if she she doesn't really see the the, the woman in the example was somebody who was always attacking her face uh-huh. And so all she had was a very small hand mirror in which she could just see one part of her face, another part, another part, another part. No whole body mirrors, just small images. The amount of daughters I have dealt with who will I will say, did you look in the mirror? Did you look in the mirror? In a healthy look in the mirror. No, I don't look in the mirror. How do you get dressed? I don't look. I make sure. I don't see. I know how to look at one part of myself and ignore the rest. It is not an uncommon story. And oftentimes, those women did not have a very present father. I I don't want to say again, 100%, certainly not, but oftentimes. And the woman that I referred to with the small handheld mirror her father was absent emotionally much of her life, came back, wanted to be emotionally connected. And she said, yes, we can, but I want this and this and this from you. Meaning, relatedness. Don't boss me around. I know what I'm doing. So they were actually quite able to, to work things out. But she was mad at him because he had abandoned her very early. And the mirror, what she looked at in the mirror, well, she wasn't looking at herself. She was abandoning herself. She was doing the same thing to herself that was done to her.
1: And so in, in setting terms, when he comes back, to go back to what we talked about earlier, she gives up trying to protect him.
0: She get what? She, I'm hesitating. She gave up trying to give him a pass. She, she wanted. She was able to say, "I want you to relate to me in this way. I want you to treat me as an adult. I need you to show up in this way." But she would also say, "Oh, I understand why it's hard for him." So she was still kind of doing the same old thing because she, it's a longing. I want a father. It's a natural longing that we have, even when you said in utero, well, we get in utero from the egg and the sperm. It's a kind of a biological something. And so that longing in a very basic way is still there. So she still felt it. She just learned to deal with it.
1: Good. We're coming to the, the end of our interview is, and there's obviously we can't cover the whole book. Is there anything that um, you'd like to add that we missed that we didn't talk about that our listeners should know?
0: Yes. Again, I want to repeat the, the, that there is value that comes from understanding, looking at feeling into absence, desire, wounds, and really examining quite closely the relationship that one has with one's own father, cultural fathers, relationships, and very much to oneself, including body, mind, and soul.
1: We have been talking with uh, Dr. Susan Schwartz about her book, The Absent Father Effect on Daughters, Father Desire, Father Wounds. Dr. Schwartz, thank you so much for for joining us today. It's a very important book.
0: Thank you, and thank you for all the thoughtful questions.